Welcome to Self Talk Show, where we explore the confluence of diverse disciplines and professional success. I'm your host Mitali Ohri, and today we are diving into the fascinating fusion of martial arts principles and executive leadership with a renowned expert and author, Brent Earlywine. Our guest Brent brings a fresh perspective to leadership development, drawing from over 35 years of martial arts practice. His experiences in the dojo haven't just shaped combat skills, but also cultivated a unique set of leadership traits, an unshakable command presence, a calm and centered demeanor under pressure, unwavering confidence, and a laser-focused, results-oriented mindset. His journey from the dojo floor to the corporate boardroom has been chronicled in his book Executive Edge: The Martial Arts Blueprint for Executives. Join me as we unlock the secrets to mastering leadership through the wisdom of martial arts. Let's delve into this transformative conversation. Brent, welcome to Self Talk Show. Good afternoon, uh, Mitali. Brent Earlywine here, uh, Quantum Channels. So I appreciate the uh, opportunity to be a part of your podcast. Well, it's a huge honor to have you on my podcast, and I'm super stoked to begin this interview. I'm sure our listeners today will depart with a wealth of wisdom, abundant learning, and a huge dose of inspiration. That pumped-up energy, you know. That hell yeah, I am going to follow Brent's advice and work even harder toward my goals and success. So without further ado, let's kick off this interview. Could you share the story of what first sparked your interest in martial arts? How did that initial inspiration shape your enduring 35-year journey in this discipline, and how has it influenced your approach to leadership and personal growth? Um, it's a great question. I mean, when I originally got started in uh, martial arts, now going on almost thirty-six years and counting, um, it was originally just a fascination with martial arts in general, um, different cultures, uh, different ways to approach. Um, and the reasons I think way back then were vastly, vastly different than what my life looks like now. What happened is um, initial fascination, go chase something down, and then once I got into it, it was something that I really fell in love with uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of them just being, you know, the physicality of it, to the exercise, to uh, things that were exotic in terms of uh, concepts and applications. Um, as a young man, there was also, you know, kind of that aspect of the, uh, you know, quote unquote. Fighting piece of it uh, that has disappeared certainly uh, very much over the years, um, and it stopped being a hobby uh, for me a really really long time ago, and it's now become uh, a part of my life. Um, so um, I've owned and run a full time school on my own for the last 25 years, celebrating a 25th year here in December of 2023. So uh, I've had an opportunity now over the last two and a half decades to really make that shift. That um, originally it was for myself,、um, and I think this is probably one of the biggest changes over the years. Is you know I was studying for myself, learning for myself, for my own skills, my own、uh, benefit, and then somewhere along the way it、uh, it starts to shift on purpose. I mean, some of that is how the、uh, the arts are structured. That as you increase in ranks,、uh, you start to learn how to、uh, give to other people. So You get into assistant teaching roles, teaching roles,、um, and then once you get to mastery level,、um, it is still about being a student、uh, for yourself. But it flips and becomes much more about those that are coming up the path behind you.、Uh, so you end up being an instructor, a mentor. 
and you're really there to uh, help other people um, along that path. One of the things that I've thoroughly enjoyed now as I've gotten deeper into it, moving into, uh, you know, towards the, um, hard to say this, almost the fourth decade of uh, studying and training in martial arts, that um, um, seeing the changes in other people's lives um, suddenly has become really much more um, enjoyable to me. Um, and it's been amazing to see people that have come through the front door of my own dojo um, and what their lives look like professionally and personally and seeing them grow and change. Um, so I've seen that journey for myself, but then seeing it reflected in other people has just been amazing um, as I've gone. So um, original fascination, but really now um, about um, an opportunity to change other people's lives. I'm firmly convinced that martial arts are one of the few places that people can become really the best version of themselves. Uh, so it certainly worked for me um, and continues to work for me. We're never perfect. We're always polishing that mirror and trying to be a better version of ourselves today than we were yesterday. Um, but um, having an opportunity to uh, do what I can in somebody else's lives uh, to help them go through a similar process has been extremely rewarding. Wow, Brent, that is beautiful. And many, many congratulations to you in advance for the 25th anniversary of your school. In your book, Executive Edge, you bridge the gap between martial arts mastery and executive success. Can you give us some insights into how the principles of martial arts can be applied to career development and leadership in the business world? Well, I, I think there's multiple answers to this. This is a really deep subject. Um, the, the first one is um, a couple of things um, that I would call out. Uh, the first one being really kind of alignment on what your goals are, where do you want to get to? Uh, so inside the, uh, the dojo, um, typically you've got pretty clear delineation on what your goals are, what you're trying to learn, what you're um, uh, required to uh, basically show back that you've absorbed uh, that skill set. Um, but what's buried underneath that is um, the ability to uh, to be very, very focused. Um, so when you're trying to uh, not only learn a new skill, but then absorb it, internalize it, and then uh, trying to repeat it. So in other words, physically manifest it again, right? So you see your teacher show you something, uh, you have to uh, try to internalize that information, and then you have to uh, try to repeat it with your own body. Uh, there's a whole process there that uh, you have to go through, and it requires a fair amount amount of focus. Um, otherwise, you won't internalize that skill and you certainly won't internalize that skill at any sort of mastery level. Um, there's a model that we use and that I refer to in my school and my dojo all the time, which is really the four stages of competence. Um, it's a model that's been around for a while from a learning perspective. It applies absolutely in, uh, in the dojo uh, for martial arts. It also applies, I think, very much in career skills. And essentially, you um, if you go through anything uh, from a beginner to a level of mastery, you're going to go through these four stages um, of competence. The first one is unconscious incompetence. You don't know what you don't know. Um, another term you might hear is an unk unk unknown unknown is what that stands for. And the idea is you don't even know what you what you have no clue about or you don't know what you don't know. And that's where most people start. Uh, vast majority will when they walk through that front door of uh, the dojo. Or if you think of somebody that's just getting started in their career, um, they really just don't know what they don't know. 
and through practice and perseverance, then you start to move through the other stages. The next stage is uh, conscious incompetence. You, you start to have an awareness level that uh, you, you you start to realize what you don't know. Um, you start to see the depth there and you start to say, all right, you know, I hear the words that you're telling me, but I physically can't repeat that skill or I can't do that skill. Um, but at least I have a clue or an idea that um, I don't know how to do whatever it might be. And then the third stage is uh, conscious competence. Um, I can do the thing, um, but it requires for me to, uh, to pay attention. I have to work at it. I have to consciously think about whatever the, uh, the skill is or whatever the motion is. Um, uh, so it's, it's a skill that I've acquired and I'm able to repeat and, uh, and show and manifest. Um, but I really have to think through it with my conscious mind. And then eventually you get to the fourth stage, which is what we would consider the mastery stage. And the mastery stage is unconscious competence. Uh, you'll hear terms like muscle memory, um, is a really good one that most people can kind of relate to. But the idea is you no longer have to consciously think about the skill, uh, physical or otherwise, if it's in the dojo, it's going to be physical, uh, mental and spiritual as well, but, uh, another discussion. Um, uh, but essentially you can perform, you can show, you can manifest the uh, the skill and you no longer have to really think about it it's something that's embedded in your your person it's embedded in your psyche and you can uh, call it up at will without having to think about it so um, those four stages of competence um, I think is one of the uh, the critical pieces that's uh, common between uh, the martial arts study as well as career development that's indeed very enlightening I now understand the similarity between martial arts and career development we all do. Thank you for that wonderful explanation. Many people struggle with defining their purpose in both their personal and professional lives. How do you recommend finding and defining one's purpose as you discuss in your book? I, again, I think uh, a couple of answers to this question, you know, I'm, um, I'm a big believer in you have to pursue your passions. So um, you probably need to really start um, in understanding what is your passion and what are your passions? What are the things in life that are attractive to you, interesting to you, uh, that uh, even if you're not sure long term, you need to start somewhere. So um, what are the things that are bright in your life that uh, really stand out as, oh, I think I might want to pursue that in some way, shape or form, whatever it might be. Could be professional um, uh, skills. It could be a career path. It could be um, a hobby. It could be an interest. It could be, you know, whatever the, the case may be. But really starting with what do you think you're passionate about? Um, and attached to that is also really your motivation. If you're passionate about something and you're really interested in something, whatever the topic might be, uh, you'll inherently have a motivation to go pursue it. Um, the, uh, the tough part there is a uh, long-term motivation, um, is much more difficult. Short-term motivation is pretty easy as human beings. We, uh, you know, nice new shiny object. We'll go chase it for a while. Um, it's a uh, long-term motivation that, uh, I think is another separate skill set to, uh, to make sure that you can continue to move forward. Um, and then the, uh, the third answer to that is really a good definition. I have this in the book is, uh, what are your life values? Uh, what do you stand for? Um, how are you going to be an example in your community? Um, whether that's a, uh, personal level of community, a neighborhood community, um, a professional community uh, amongst your peers, but really, you know, what is your definition? Who are you and what do you stand for? Um, or don't stand for as the case may be, that might even be more important. Uh, but, um, defining what your life values uh, are. And I've got uh, some exercises in the end of my book that uh, we go through 
Um, there's a lot of frameworks out there you can use to uh, determine your life values. The ones that I provide, um, I think, are pretty solid. Uh, they've held up well over the years, uh, both in the dojo as well as uh, in uh, my own career and in other people's careers where I've assisted or mentored other folks. Uh, so I think they're a great starting point, um, but um, a defined process, I think, is really, really important. Wow, I must say these questions are going to inspire our listeners to answer them for themselves because nobody else can do that for them, right? So dear listeners, take some time out today and truly, honestly answer these questions as suggested and raised by the amazing guest friend. These questions will undoubtedly bring a tremendous amount of clarity, not only in your personal life, but also in your professional life. Could you tell us more about your company, Quantum Channels, and its mission to redefine channel management? What unique approaches, services, or values does your company bring to the industry? Uh, so, look, I've been in uh, high technology sales for a really long time. So uh, almost the entire time I've been studying martial arts, um, I've had my professional career in what's known as channel sales. So um, um, the easy answer is I've been in high technology sales uh, my career, but it's uh, a specialized version of sales. So uh, uh, the easiest way to describe this is that most vendors or companies typically don't sell directly to an end user customer or consumer. They usually go through a channel or a partner or an ecosystem of some kind. So there's a middleman, so to speak. So my specialty and expertise is uh, in the support and selling to the middleman uh, who then sells to the ultimate end user customer. So in the high technology world, if you think software and IT uh, types of products and services, that's a very common model. Uh, so my entire career has been focused in um, doing that particular type of sales motion. So along the way, I, I tell you all that to tell you this, which is um, there is a unique skill set that's attached to doing channel type sales. Um, it is a selling job, but it's also what's known as a, a boundary spanning role kind of job. And what I mean by that is um, you're part of the sales process, but ultimately whoever your channel partner is, is doing the actual final sale to the end user consumer. Um, but a channel salesperson is supporting that partner or channel um, in their selling efforts. But it's really much more about long-term relationship building with those channel partners, um, you know, supporting their business, joint business planning, joint demand creation. Uh, so very, very specific skills. And part of my motivation for Quantum Channels was that um, I was finding myself over the years where lots of companies, vendors, uh, software companies, they were training their channel teams on selling skills, but they were not providing professional channel management selling skills. And there is a distinct difference between those two, uh, both as a role definition, as well as the skills required to do that at a uh, high level. Uh, so that was originally why I launched Quantum Channels was to uh, provide uh, selling skills uh, modules and workshops specifically to uh, help people that were doing channel type of sales roles be better at what they do 
and giving them very specific uh, skills training that uh, they could use in their day-to-day -day jobs. And then along with that, because I've done so much with channel partner programs, channel marketing, uh, channel team design, channel strategy um, at very high levels um, in my industry over the last several decades, I also engage with um, uh, vendors and software companies to help them with their channel programs and channel strategies. So I do fractional engagements. So it's very common that companies will reach out to me and basically say that, hey, you know, we think we want to start a channel team, start a channel program. Can you help us map that out? Or, hey, we already have a channel program, but we need to tweak it and fine tune it. Um, can you give us a sanity check? Can you steer us in the right direction? Um, and everything kind of in between. So those are the two major uh, pieces for uh, quantum channels. Thank you for introducing us to your awesome company, Quantum Channels, and explaining the concept of channel management. Discipline, patience, and perseverance are key elements in martial arts. And you suggest they can be applied to professional success. Can you share some practical tips on cultivating a strong foundation in one's career through these principles? Um, I'll start with uh, I'll start with courage. Uh, one of the dynamics throughout my life that uh, came from the dojo floor is having the uh, the courage to basically take a leap in my professional career um, even though I didn't know or wasn't convinced if I had the skills to deliver against that leap and new position uh, so having a uh, one the opportunity to um, uh, to do it um, certainly people along the way have offered me lots of great opportunities to uh, grow and expand my skills but you have to have the courage to actually take that step um, I've run across so many people in my uh, professional career, unfortunately, that uh, were, you know, of the opinion if they didn't already have mastery of it, they uh, they didn't, you know, they wouldn't even apply for a position or they wouldn't put their hat in the ring to be considered for a position. Um, and my feedback is, you know, you always need to be on a growth path and learning new skills and expanding the skills you already have. And the only way to do that is to uh, stretch and expand through uh, new responsibilities, new positions. And uh, you really got to get out there maybe where you're uh, uncomfortable a little bit um, and or even scared on the inside um, and going, yeah, I don't know if I can do this. But along the way, you dedicate yourself and you do figure it out. Um, and hopefully you're, you're given the opportunity and the support, uh, training, what have you, to, uh, uh, to actually execute against it. But you have to take the leap. And I think courage is a, a really big piece of it. Uh, when you're on the dojo floor, look, you've got people that are, you know, punching at you, kicking at you, throwing you around. Um, uh, make no mistake, um, at a uh, personal, uh, physical level, it takes a lot of courage to, uh, to do that, um, you know, multiple nights a week, every week, every month, every year. Um, and you, uh, you have to expand your skills and again, have the courage to uh, continue to, uh, to move forward. The, um, the other thing that uh, I see is um, um, integrity uh, is critically important. We'll probably talk about this a little more in key leadership qualities, but um, at the end of the day, um, on the dojo floor, there's nowhere to hide. Um, and what I mean by that is you are really staring yourself in the mirror um, and you can either do it or you can't do it. Uh, there's nowhere to hide. Nobody else is going to do it for you. You can't go stand in a corner and hope for the best. Uh, you're going to be in the moment um, and you're going to have to perform and execute and manifest uh, whatever your, your training is. And if it's not working, um, 
it's going to be readily apparent to yourself, to your training partner, to your instructor, that uh, you still have some work to do uh, from a skill perspective. So um, you have to have integrity for yourself. And career integrity is the only thing that I think you carry with you long term uh, between jobs, between companies is who you are as a person um, and what you stand for and having the high levels of integrity is critically important uh, that people know that they can trust you that you can do the job that you say that you uh, are, are going to do you deliver against your promises and your commitments uh, so having that integrity I think is critically uh, important um, and then really you know taking a look at um, there's there's one thing at a time and I'll probably expand on this in a, uh, a couple of minutes um, but really having that focus in the moment on what is uh, the task at hand well I'm thoroughly inspired and agree with every word you said Brent the a sense of courage integrity and staying focused in the moment is crucial qualities that one must absorb and implement in your book you discuss the martial arts master's 10 key leadership qualities for success. Could you highlight a few of these qualities and explain how they can be applied in a business or leadership context? I think a, uh, a leader has to set the vision. Um, there's a lot of leadership books, a lot of leadership theories, um, and I think it really boils down to only a couple of things. I have 10. Um, I think uh, what I have outlined in my book are at least the baseline table stakes leadership qualities. Uh, they are certainly the ones that I've seen translate very well between the dojo floor and in my professional career. Um, but I do believe that a, a leader is setting the vision. If I'm a high level instructor in the dojo, um, I'm setting the vision for my students. I'm setting the vision for my school. Um, I'm setting the uh, the culture on uh, you know how we interact with one another, um, with the levels of respect, how we treat one another. Um, and you know if you go from school to school, if you look at different martial arts uh, uh, studios or schools, you'll see that culture and that um, vision will be vastly different uh, between each one because at the end of the day they're run by human beings, and human beings are going to have a different approach on life. Uh, not all of them positive, unfortunately. Um, I like to uh, think and certainly the feedback from my long-term students has been that uh, we have a very tight-knit uh, positive culture um, inside of my school but setting that vision I think is the leader's primary responsibility and then executing it uh, so the uh, the leader has to show the way um, and be the example that they're looking for other people to follow so I don't believe that leaders uh, in the uh, the dojo or in the professional uh, context uh, should just say the words. They have to uh, lead from the front. So they have to show uh, that their words have meaning and they have to do that through thought, word, and deed uh, through their actions. Um, and then uh, the other uh, piece that uh, I have there, you know, expand a little bit on thought, word, and deed. I think there's a critical component in the alignment of um, how and what you think, um, what you say. I believe that words have power. Uh, so I think we all need to be very judicious in uh, the words that we use, uh, positive and negative, both for our own lives as well as the impact on other people's lives. And then deed, and deed are the actions. So um, I don't necessarily always believe what somebody says, but I do believe what they do. 
and the power of actions, um, again, it could be positive or negative, uh, will show you, I think, the character of an individual and certainly the character of a leader. Um, if they just play, pay lip service to, um, um, you know, concepts or thoughts or words, uh, but their actions don't really back it up, then um, I may not trust them long term. So the uh, the thought, word, and deed uh, alignment, I think, is a, a very important piece, um, not only in leadership, but also on how it translates between the, uh, between the two. So true. Can you recount a particular success story or real-world example that highlights the impact of your approach to channel management and leadership development in your career or at Quantum Channels? I, I can. I, I would say that um, there's a concept in the book, um, in the martial arts community, uh, especially Japanese martial arts, uh, called Fudo Shin, and loosely translated it's about having a uh, calm centered spirit um you know you'll you'll certainly see you know tropes out there about you know the zen master you know hiding in a cave somewhere on a mountaintop um but um i believe in practicality not necessarily some of those you know kind of fantasies that are out there um but the the skill set is really the ability to be calm under pressure or calm under stress and martial arts is one of the uh, the few ways that I know how to cultivate that kind of mentality. Um, and when things get uh, emotional, things get uh, a little rough um, in a professional setting, the ability to uh, not react emotionally, uh, the ability to hold your own center, and the ability to respond in a uh, calm, cool, and collected fashion um, is a uh, really uh, important skill, I think, especially if you think through in terms of high-stakes negotiation. Um, as an example, I've certainly been in lots of examples in my career. You know, you're in a conference room, you're negotiating a contract. Uh, you could literally have, and I have, you know, millions of dollars at stake on the, the turn of a simple conversation. And ultimately, it can all come down to one particular moment inside of a single conversation uh, where uh, something will turn. Um, and again, it could turn positively, it could, could turn negatively. But if you have a clear mind and you have the ability to uh, hold your center, have that mindset of Fudoshin, um, immovability is how that translates, then uh, more than likely uh, you'll end up with uh, a positive outcome. Um, and mutually beneficial, uh, by the way. This isn't about one person wins and another person loses. Uh, it's not necessarily a zero-sum game. It should be mutually beneficial in most negotiations. Uh, probably a sidebar discussion, but um, I just didn't. I wanted to call that out, um, but I've had multiple examples over the years where I've been in those kinds of high-stake uh, environments. I will tell you, as I learned and, and grew over the years, um, there were examples where I didn't always uh, rise to the occasion, and I wasn't able to hold my center, and I allowed emotions to uh, to get out of the way. Those instances have certainly become uh, fewer and farther between. Uh, anybody that tells you they're uh, perfect all the time, I think, is uh, probably lying, <laughs> um, but uh, the martial arts and the um, the ability to hold that center um, fostering from the dojo floor has definitely been reflected in my professional career to the point now where uh, people will uh, will comment on it. So, um, you know, it, it, it will physically manifest on the outside, too, where people can see it, they can sense it, um, even in everyday regular interactions there's a certain way that uh, long-term martial arts uh, artists will carry themselves uh, so it doesn't have to be a you know high stakes negotiation it could just be in regular interactions and uh, you'll see that kind of calm center um, really important uh, will show up 
incredible. Many people aim for long-term career goals, but they often struggle to stay focused and motivated. What advice do you have for setting and achieving these goals effectively? Well, look, I think there's there's some easy answers and I think there's some tough answers on setting and achieving long-term goals. I'll start with uh, the martial arts. When I first walked into a dojo floor, uh, my initial goal was literally to just get through the first class. Um, and then eventually my goal became I wanted to get the first degree black belt. Um, and typically in most uh, decent schools, that'll take you anywhere from two and a half to three years of uh, dedicated weekly, um, week in, week out uh, training, um, staying on track, learning the skills, uh, showing that you've learned the skills. Uh, so it's not a small commitment in time or effort. Um, and at the time, I thought black belt was you know light years away. It was going to take me so long to get there. Uh, it was a huge goal uh, for me. Um, and then you fast forward year number 36, and um, you know I'm a 10th degree black belt. Um, I'm a uh, senior instructor on a worldwide basis in a uh, Japanese martial art. Um, and you know now it almost seems laughable that that was my original goal. But I tell you that to tell you that over time, the go the goals change and they morph. Um, I think it's important to have goalposts as you go. Uh, so if my original goal was you know two and a half, three years away. Um, I had goals in between today and three years from now. I had a goal to get through this week. I had a goal to get through uh, the next belt rank. I had the goal to get through the next test. I had the goal to get through the next uh, seminar or, you know, you name it. Uh, so breaking it up into smaller chunks while still maintaining visibility for the long-term goal, I think is one of those skill sets that has to be developed. And that certainly applies in career as well. Uh, early in my career, I was um, one very clear that um, I loved the uh, the channel sales aspect, specifically in high technology. So I knew that's where I wanted to be. Um, and as I progressed, um, I started to identify a long-term goal of being a senior channel leader in a company, uh, whether it was at the one I was at at that particular time or potentially another one as I uh, moved forward in time. Um, but um, I established mentorship relationships with people that already had that job. Um, and I outlined with them, what are the steps between here and there? Uh, that led me down the path of getting my MBA that led me down the path of special projects. Uh, so again, a long-term goal, but I had short-term goals or goal, goal posts that I could focus on, execute against, while still maintaining that uh, long-term uh, view. And then I think you need to celebrate uh, the milestones as you go. In martial arts, that kind of happens naturally through a ranking process. Uh, so if you don't study, uh, you'll see you know colored belts or specific ranks. Um, and uh, those ranks are actually fairly new in the martial arts, probably dating back to the 1920s, 1930s. Uh, the founder of judo actually implemented a uh, ranking system, the idea of a black belt. Um, you know, previously historical uh, martial arts, especially in uh, Japan, uh, they didn't have a belt ranking system. They had a different system. They had a menkyo or certificate kind of uh, uh, licensing system. 
Uh, but the point being that as you study, as you progress, as you prove you've got the uh, the skills, there's recognition and celebration. Um, and I think you need to do the same thing uh, as you go through your career, celebrating that new position, celebrating that win, celebrating if you're in sales, you know, you got that uh, deal, you got that purchase order, um, having that celebration internally and externally to acknowledge the uh, the hard work that you put into uh, into that effort. And then the last thing that I'd say there for long-term goals, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Uh, like I said earlier, human nature, you know, everybody gets excited about something that's new. Uh, they'll, you know, I see this all the time when people are brand new to the uh, the dojo. They come in the first uh, first day. They're coming to every single class. They can't get enough of it. And then somewhere around the six-month mark, uh, they start to get burned out uh, because that initial excitement starts to wear off and then now you have to um, find the internal motivation uh, for long-term uh, goals. So uh, what we talk about in uh, uh, the dojo is what's known as the beginner's mind. You have to always look at everything uh, like it's brand new to you um, or look at something as if you're a, a beginner and you've never seen it before. Or another way to say it is you always have to uh, to be a student. Uh, there's always something to learn. There's always some new angle uh, to view it through. And having that beginner's mind will keep you motivated and will keep it new and fresh even if it's something you've done and there's certain you know techniques that I've uh, done I don't know 20,000 times 30,000 times you lose count um, I always find something new in the most simple foundational uh, technique uh, that I didn't see before because I always look at it through fresh eyes or I look at it with a uh, beginner's mind Brent these are some brilliant pieces of advice that you have just shared as we wrap up our conversation, is there any particular message, advice or insight you'd like to share with our audience, whether it's related to martial arts, leadership or personal growth? Uh, there is. Um, I would tell you that, um, again, if you look at this through the lens of long-term goals, um, I'm a big fan of uh, BHAGs, uh, big, audacious, uh, hairy uh, goals. Uh, the bigger the goal, the more likely excuse me, you're going to find success. Um, I'm a believer in uh, writing those goals down. Uh, so um, a one-year set of goals, professionally, personally, um, could be anything, could be income, could be vacations, could be things that you want to do, things that you want to own. That's entirely up to you. Uh, but I do one-year goals, three-year goals, five-year goals, 10-year goals, and 15-year goals. Write them down and then um, update them, uh, put them where you can see them. I actually have a whiteboard in my uh, office that uh, I write my goals down on. And then as I achieve the goals, I cross them off and then I replace them with new ones. As I take a step every single day towards the goals, um, I uh, update them. Um, my priorities might change over time. So whether goals that you know no longer seem uh, important or critical or they've morphed in some way, and I'll update them. There's a concept, um, you'll see it in uh, Japanese um, corporate culture, you'll certainly see it in the dojo. It's Kaizen, which is uh, boiled down. Um, 
constant incremental improvement. Uh, so every single day I'm doing something, no matter how small it is, to continue to move towards what my goals are. Um, and you will find that uh, you will cover a massive amount of ground personally and professionally if you have that mindset that you write down the goals, you're clear on them, um, and you're taking some level of progress towards them every single day. Um, even if it's a minute uh, half step forward, it's still going to count. You're still going to cover ground. And when you extend that out over long periods, you will cover a massive amount of ground and, and cover a massive amount of uh, to-dos and action items um, in completion of those goals. Um, so I have a quote. Uh, it's in the book. Um, I have a couple of quotes that um, I really, really like, but the uh, the one in the book that I'd call out is from uh, Thomas Edison. If we did all the things we're capable of doing, we would literally astound ourselves. And I guess that's the message that I'd leave you with is... Um, Stretch goals, um, stretch your horizons, um, expand your horizons. The bigger you think and the bigger the goals and the bigger the effort, the bigger the results. Um, and you are capable of so much more than uh, you think you are. Um, and I encourage you to get outside of your comfort, comfort zone. And I encourage you to uh, take those steps towards whatever your big dreams are. You will achieve them if you put the, uh, the effort and uh, dare to dream big. Um, when I started my martial arts career, uh, first degree black belt was uh, so far away. 36 years now and in uh, counting um, that was a long time ago and uh, I continue to have uh, goals and move forward um, and I look back over those uh, three and a half decades and uh, I'm astounded on the amount of ground that I covered what I've learned what I've been able to accomplish um, the things I've seen the people I've trained with um, and it really all started with that first step as I walked through the uh, the dojo uh, front door all those years ago so thank you very much really appreciate the uh, the time uh, please feel free to reach out to me um, if there's anything that I can help you with, and uh, I wish you the best on your own journey. Thank you. As our discussion draws to a close, we have gained profound insights into harnessing the principles of martial arts for professional growth. I want to thank Brent Earlywine for sharing his expertise and wisdom on today's episode. Remember, whether you're on the dojo floor or in the boardroom, the principles of discipline focus and resilience can transform your career and personal growth. Thank you all dear listeners for tuning in today. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, rate and leave a review. Your feedback helps in delivering more thought-provoking content to you. Stay tuned for the next episode where we'll continue to explore fascinating intersections between diverse fields and professional success. Until then, this is Mitali Ohari signing off. Take care and keep evolving.